0: I love the presence of God. Never want to take it for granted. I love that we have great musicians in this church and singers to lead us every morning. Amen. Amen. Dan, just bring me back a little bit. Thanks. Have you had a good week? Good week? We end up if you've had a good week? Okay, we end up if you've had a rough week? There's a couple. Good to have Michael here. Michael, we've been praying for Michael. He's, uh, the prayer chain has been holding him up. Um, it's had a, not a good diagnosis this week, but we're standing with you, mate, and we're believing with you that um, God is walking with you. Be your peace and your strength and your healing in Jesus' name. Amen. There's some other people in our church that are really going through a bit too. Um... And we lift them up as well. Young Archie's a new new girl Been coming with us. She's being raised by a single mother. And her pop well a single mother right now is in hospital in Canberra. She's struggling with brain tumours. And um, very touch and go right now. So we're lifting up Archie's mum as well. God's brought Archie into our family over the last couple of months. And so we're believing God for her as well as a lot of other things going on in life. But yeah, there's so many ups and downs in life, isn't there? But God just stays true. He's always constant. He's always sure, and um, it'll all work out in the end. And if it doesn't work out, it's not the end. You all watch the movie. All right. We're going to read this morning the the following chapters from um, the book of Acts, where we left off last week. Is everybody hot? Okay, can we turn the heaters off now? Thank you. Everyone's carrying their own fire this morning. Amen. It's Pentecost Sunday. If we get too cold, tongues of fire should turn up anyway. Phil, you look so tanned. What's with that? Are you wearing a jumper or is that your skin? Or I can't. Something. (laughs) It's good you don't know, come back from a holiday sunburn, it wasn't a true holiday, was it? Uh, we looked at the book of Acts, the chapter 2, especially in the Holy Spirit coming at Pentecost, because last Sunday was the uh, Pentecost Sunday on our Christian calendar. And um, so right across the world, churches were looking at this passage and being encouraged and stirred up that the Holy Spirit comes anytime we meet together. And uh, so good to remind ourselves of that and so good to remind him of that, make him feel welcome in our midst and our services. I don't want a service without the Holy Spirit. You with me? Um, there's, some, there's some churches out there you might find yourself um, comfortable in if you're not like that. Um, we're not like that. We, we, we really uh, rely on and lean on the power of the Holy Spirit because it's really his work. It's his, it's his, it's his kingdom. You know what I mean? We're just we're just going along for the ride. We're leaning into Him. We're not creating our own culture, our own kingdom, our own thought processes, but we're following Him as He leads us and guides us. Amen? Man, I don't know if I'm going to get to preaching this morning. We'll see how we go. I'm just going to start reading from Acts chapter 4, and I'm going to jump through a little bit here. Uh, I'll try and yell out where I'm going to, but uh, we'll just see how we go. Let's start at Acts chapter 4 and verse 1. When Peter and John were speaking to the people, they were confronted by the priests, the captain of the temple guard, and some of the Sadducees. These leaders were very disturbed that Peter and John were teaching the people that through Jesus, there is a resurrection of the dead. They arrested them. And since they were already, it was already evening, they put them in jail until the morning. But many people, say but, but many people who heard their message believed it. So the number of believers now totaled about 5,000 men, not including women and children. Fascinating. Fascinating time in history, an explosion of the kingdom of God. Thrown in prison, yet now we're looking at maybe up to 20,000 followers of Jesus just in a few days since Pentecost. Let's skip over to, uh, we read through a fair bit of this and it paints a little bit of Picture of the culture of the day the believers share their possession. Ananias and Sapphira don't get on board with that and it doesn't go well with them. The apostles heal so many people, Um, but they meet some opposition as well. And I'm going to start reading from uh, chapter 6 and verse 5. Everyone liked this idea? This was the choosing of the, the seven. And they chose the following, Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit. They chose Philip. They chose a couple of other people. But here in verse seven, it says, God's message continued to spread. The number of believers greatly increased in Jerusalem, and many of the, Jews, the Jewish priests were converted too. Amen. Verse 8, Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, performing amazing miracles and signs among the people. But one day, some men from the synagogue of freed slaves, as it was called, started to debate with him. They were Jews from Cyrene, Alexandra, Cilicia, and the province of Asia. None of them could stand against the wisdom and the spirit of which Stephen spoke. So they persuaded some men to lie about Stephen, saying, We heard him blaspheme Moses and even God. This roused the people and the elders and the teachers of religious law. So they arrested Stephen. He too got arrested. And they brought him in before the high council. The lying witnesses said, This man is always speaking against the holy temple and against the law of Moses. We have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy the temple and change the customs Moses handed down to us. At this point, everyone in the high council stared at Stephen because his face became as bright as an angel's. A bit like Phil's. Sorry, Phil. We haven't mentioned your name since you're away, mate. It's got a big catching up to do. So here's Stephen. He's dragged before the High Council, and he gives an op. He's given an opportunity to share here, and share he does. He takes his time. He gets into it, and he gets into the flow of of. Um, proving what he's about to declare and he goes through the history of the the Israelite people and then he gets to the end of chapter 7 and he really gives it to these people really gives it to them you can read that from verse 51 he starts calling them names and telling them it's your fault you crucified Jesus and all the rest of it verse 57 they put their hands over their ears Verse 57 of chapter 7. They put their hands over their ears and they began shouting. They rushed at him and dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. His accusers took off their coats and they laid them at the feet of a young man named Saul. As they stoned him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. He fell to his knees shouting, Lord, don't charge them with this sin. And with that, he died. Chapter 8, Saul was one of the witnesses and he agreed completely with the killing of Stephen. A great wave of persecution began that day, sweeping over the church in Jerusalem, and all the believers except the apostles were scattered through the regions of Judea and Samaria. Some devout men came and buried Stephen with great mourning, but Saul was going everywhere to destroy the church. He went from house to house, dragging out both men and women to throw them into prison. But, say but but the i love that word but but the believers who were scattered preached the good news about Jesus wherever they went philip for example went to the city of samaria and told the, told the people there about the messiah and a fascinating story unfolds here verse 17 peter and john laid their hands upon believers and they received the Holy Spirit. Verse 25, after testifying and preaching the word of the Lord in Samaria, Peter and John returned to Jerusalem and they stopped in Samaritan villages along the way to preach the good news. I'll just I'll stop there, otherwise I'll keep reading all day. You can read on as much as you want. Let me pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. Thank you for these stories, God, these accounts of history. And uh, we pray that we'd be overwhelmed with them. We pray right now that this would not just be a reading and a teaching out of a book, a textbook, but this would be uh, uh, this would be real life getting um, given to us by the Holy Spirit, the one who carries life, true life. We pray that our hearts will be open to it right now, and that you would invest in us the truth of these scriptures, and how they apply to our life this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. (laughs) Last night, I told, um, it was after dinner, and I said to Mia, Mia, go and have a shower. I often have to say that about 17 times to Mia. After dinner, Mia go and have a shower. Go and have a shower. Ella's already had a shower that afternoon, but Mia only have to, you know, kick and screaming every single night. Anyone have one of these children? And anyway, every night, Mia shower, 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 and it's only then that they come up with all these things, do not they? Who knew they had homework at 7:30 at night? right before bedtime. Who knew that they still had to clean their, they had all these chores that they had nothing to do during the day. All of a sudden it all comes in when they're told to have a shower. So anyway, Mia goes and has a shower eventually, kicking and screaming and whinging about it. She gets in there, she calls out, I can't turn the taps on. She comes out again, naked, Every family has a kid that is the naked thing, right, Kel? Like every, every family has a naked kid who just would rather wear no clothes all the time. Well, Mia's our little naked kid and she came out, I think, just to hang out with us naked in the lounge room again. No, nah, I can't have a shower. She thought that was the end of her shower because she couldn't turn it on. I can't turn it on so I'm not having a shower. Mia, go and turn those taps on and get in the shower. But I can't do it. I said, well, don't just reach in there and turn it on. Actually, get in the shower, put both hands on a, one tap at a time and turn them. Oh, she stomps back up the hallway, gets in the shower and you hear her going, Arr! and then you hear this water trickle and she goes, oh, I did it. I did it. I got the cold. You hear her yelling out, I got the cold tap. Don't tell her I'm saying this, by the way. Pastors' kids think that they never get told stories about when they're out kids' church, but the, the truth is like you know everything about every pastor's kid just from sitting in church services. Anyway, so she gets, I got the hot tap. And we were like we are from the lounge room, we're cheering for her, yeah, Mia, you turn the taps on, you are the best tap turner this century has ever seen. And we're cheering for her and she's all happy and she spends the next hour in the shower just singing. That's how she works. She hates the journey, but when she gets there, she loves it. Everyone, anyone got one of those? So anyway, that's Mia. But we're cheering. And you know why we're so excited? Because from now on, she has achieved the turning on of the taps. We never have to go to that shower and get it started for her ever again. She'd made the milestone of turning on the taps, and she's there now. She's conquered the taps, she's frustrating yet so funny to me, Mia, because I see myself in her so much. She's, she's the laziest person, which, again, I see myself in her. But she, can, she anything she puts her hand to and does, she just does it so well. She just needs motivation to actually, come on, you can do this. But now that she's done it, she'll she'll just now, she'll be asking us when we're going for a shower, would you like me to come and turn the taps on for you? Everybody has a, a mountain in front of them. Everybody has something that is large, larger than life, like a giant facing them in some area of their life that they're just scared to face. They're scared to 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 go after. But once they conquer that thing, it's like a whole new world has opened up to them. That's what I want to share about this morning. Sometimes we avoid, like the plague, the very thing that will take us to a whole new level, a greater level, all because of some... Level of discomfort, and as a result, we stay in the same level or the same place instead of taking hold of all that God has for us. I don't know if you do this, I do this all the time. Like me, I do, I avoid my mountains in my life. I'm not a, I avoid confrontation. That's probably my biggest deal. That's my biggest mountain is confrontation. I married a girl who loves confrontation. She goes after it, and if there's nothing there, she'll create something just to make some confrontation. We'll go out to a restaurant, and, and I'll have a shocking meal. They brought out the wrong thing. It was cold, overpriced, and, we, and I'm just like, this is terrible. I'm talking to her. We'll oh, say, say something. I'm going to say something. I'm going to say something till the waitress comes over. How was your meal? Very well. Thank you. It was great. Perfect. That's me. Because I avoid that confrontation. And she'll go, hold on a second. No, it wasn't. It was actually the wrong thing. It was cold. Can you say this to the chef? And can you say that to the chef? Blah, blah, blah. That's what she does. She doesn't mind a bit of confrontation. Take your dog down to the beach and when she's going for a walk and you'll find that she loves confrontation. Anyway, if you haven't heard those stories, I'll spare you. But we... we I do, and I'm assuming there's some other people here. We avoid the, the mountain or the giant that is in our life. And the longer we leave that thing, like I reckon there are some elderly people in this world who have had the same mountain, same giant, for decades and decades and decades, and have just learnt to live life around it. Do you hear what I'm saying? Because I don't know if you can relate to this. Caleb, at 85 years old, said what? Give me this mountain. At 85 years old. There's a word for some people this morning. At that age, he was still able to, with determination, stare at the goal, say, this mountain before me is mine. I'm going to take it. Often we have a giant in our world that we seem to avoid. But as I read the story of David and his giant, David and Goliath, it's a fascinating story. The, the, the line that jumps out to me is when he's they're facing off and it says, David ran toward the giant. He ran towards his giant. Like he wasn't like... Walking trying to stir himself up, making sure his rocks he's got the rock like he was, he ran toward his giant, and I think the reason why he did that wasn 't necessarily because this guy was defying his God, he was ridiculing the army i 'm not sure, but i the story says early on that that Goliath would come to the front and two armies are facing off each other. And, and he pretty much just says, look, there's one of me, forget the army, one of me, give me your best, we'll fight it out. And the winner from this one-on-one battle, uh, sorry, the loser will become the servant of the winner, one-on-one. And I think there was something in David's mind that he knew that if he just could beat this guy, giants, then his whole nation would all of a sudden be up here. A, gr- a higher ground, that'd be at another level, that have people serving them that conquer have conquered more land. And, and and he has this picture, he was very driven, David, obviously you know, he is the greatest king ever. Like he's very driven to to conquer and to and to rule and to, to govern. And so he was always thinking of the next step forward. If I could only beat this giant, then God's nation, my nation, we would then be the head and not the tail. And we could start our journey from there and go on. And he did. And I wanted to remind us all this morning that the giant that we are facing, the mountain that is before us, that we can quite easily uh, run around and live life in the shadows of our whole life, that you can conquer it and you are called to conquer it because all the blessings of God and the words of God that he has spoken over your life still comes down to you and whether you will step up to the battle and take it on and start to occupy ground from that moment on. You hearing me this morning? So David ran toward his giant. He did it because there was a greater position for Israel to be had, a greater destination, land for them to occupy. So let's come back to this scripture. Interesting scripture. The the persecution of the church kicks in here like never before at the death of Stephen. The persecution of the church stopped this early momentum of people getting saved within Jerusalem. They'd killed one of their leaders for preaching the good news. Like killed, stoned him. Seriously, like that's it. Put yourself in this situation. They're only, the church is only days old. One of their leaders gets publicly stoned and threats go out on everybody else. Saul is in full steam here. Gathering people, dragging them out of their homes, persecuting them like never before. Days old, the church is. And they have a choice to make. To skirt around this, to shrink back from what their calling is, their destiny. But thankfully, they don't do it. Even though the persecution scatters them, the book of Acts continues on and says, so they went to Samaria, they went to Judea, they went to all these places, villages along the way, preached the good news, and the kingdom of God just kept rolling on, thousands and thousands and thousands being added in a matter of days. Amazing what persecution can do. Persecution took the gospel out of Jerusalem to the ends of the world. Now, the, the, the call was always to do that. Jesus made that call, didn't he? The Great Commission, take, take the good news to the ends of the world. Be my witnesses everywhere. But at this point in time, they were just in Jerusalem. But it wasn't until the mountain of persecution, the giants of persecution come and stood before them, that they actually use that persecution, and God used that persecution to slingshot the gospel into the rest of the known world, and just run a mark, a blaze, revival all over the place. In the midst of great persecution, the kingdom thrives. Persecution tough times, it's like the manure to a garden bed. And I remember, I still remember when Jordan hopped up here one time at around communion. Do you remember that story? And she talked about sweeping up the kangaroo poo in her yard and how frustrating it was until she realized there was a use for it and put it into her garden bed and, and ended up being the thing that caused life to really grow in the garden was this, manure this waste the thing that she was getting frustrated with all the time the 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 leftovers the the rubbish of this animal could actually be put in the right place to help spring forth new life and new growth amazing it was a great great story I'm not sure if that's on our website Jordan but we'll get you back up here and you can share it again It was at the time, actually, when she'd lost a friend. A friend of hers had um, gone on into eternity. So it was very uh, a huge um, moment and so good. But it really stuck in my mind of how persecution, hard times put in its right place, will be used by God to accelerate you into the area you've only dreamed of. Yet so often... We shy back from the persecution. We shy back from the mountain. We skirt around it. We don't take our giant head on. Yet we think that we're going to still enjoy the benefits of conquering without having to conquer. The kingdom of God does not grow out of comfort. Do you hear me? The kingdom of God does not grow out of comfort because discomfort is what causes us to exercise our faith and in turn gives God something to work with. It's our discomfort that causes us to exercise our faith. And we know there's only faith that pleases God, right? So, so we need to start looking at our comfort and our discomfort differently. We need to start looking at our good times and our bad times differently, because there could just be a reason you're going through what you're going through. And it's to activate your faith. And it's only that faith activation that is going to cause God to come through with those promises you've been holding on to. This is good preaching this morning. This this is better preaching than what you guys are giving back to me. Here's my conclusion. Don't be put off by your giant, but take it on. Don't avoid the mountain that is in front of you, but climb it, conquer it, stick a victory flag in the top of it. You'll start your journey from there. Amen? Here's a little reminder for you. You cannot be a mountain climber if there's no mountain to climb. You cannot be a conqueror if there's nothing to conquer. Yeah? You cannot be successful if there's no battle to succeed in. Come on, sometimes we run away from it. But how are you going to prove that you are more than a conqueror? How are you going to prove what the Bible says about you if it's not put into action? You cannot be faithful. Here you go. This is for some this morning. You cannot be faithful if there is no situation calling for you to use your faith. Do you hear that one? You cannot be found faithful If there is no situation in your life that is calling for you to use your faith. I hope you're challenged this morning. I hope you want to see, I hope you see that thing before you in a different light this morning. I hope you see that boulder before you as not an immovable object, but as a stepping stone into something greater. We've got to change our thinking and change our mind. God's not out to slow us down. He's out to lift us up into greater areas. Amen. He's not going to build a kingdom out of comfort. You know, we're going to be in a new building soon. And some of you, the most exciting thing about that is there's going to be a more comfortable seat. We're going to have carpet on the floor, better heating. Like, come on now. That's, we're not going to build a building for comfort. We're going to build a building because throughout that journey, it's going to cause us to step out in faith all the time. And and God's not going to respond to a church that is comfortable. He's going to respond to faith. And it's a journey of faith we're on. We're going to continue on. We're going to get there and there's going to be bigger mountains. There's going to be greater giants to face. I'm sort of excited about that and nervous at the same time. But that's how it works in the kingdom of God. We come up against giants. He gives us the grace to break through. Prophetic words are always the the picture of what's on the other side of the giants. Don't forget that it's just not going to happen by avoiding the giant, avoiding the mountain. No, there's a there's a there's a, there is a track for you to walk, and it's going to require climbing. It's going to require fighting. It's going to require exercise of your faith. Amen. Why don't you stand to your feet this morning? Jordan, if you could come too, please. Lead us in a song. That would be fantastic. Anyone encouraged? Thanks, Kel. Anyone seeing things in a different light this morning? Is, that, is, that a, is anyone at that stage? Just give me a wave if that's you. I want to pray for you this morning. You can stay where you are so you don't have to come to the front. Thank you. I've seen about six people waving. Can i going to give you another chance. Is that you? I want to know who I'm praying for. You're facing something. Thank you. There's a few more than six. Why do you guys need so much encouraging to respond? <laughs> that's true. Close your eyes. Thank you, Lord. I pray for these mountain climbers this morning. I lift up my fellow conquerors. Thank you, Lord, that you have called us to greatness, greater things in front of us than are behind us, Lord God. And we choose to shift our uh, thinking, Lord. We see these mountains now as something that's going to give us a greater view, a greater perspective, A greater area of influence. No longer do we want to be living in the shade of this mountain, but we want to climb it and see what's on the other side. Lord, we speak to every giant that is standing before somebody right now, intimidating them, using their words to cut them down. Intimidating, saying, you're not going to make it. It's all going to fall apart. Don't you dare try and take me on. Even if, you, even if you beat me, you're gonna have so many scars that it wasn't worth the fight. There's a lie from some for for someone this morning that that's been spoken over you. And I want to encourage you to, to, to change your thinking. Renew your mind this morning. Remember who's on your side. Remember who's calling you to battle. Lord, we thank you that you have empowered us with the ability. To conquer, We are more than conquerors, Lord. I just declare it over these ones right now. More than a conqueror. You're getting hung up on this little one. There is a bigger giant around the corner, but you are going to succeed in this effort and you are going to have some resource in your pocket to take on the next. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Let's sing together.
1: Come on, let's sing together. Oh, come to the altar. The Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was born with the precious blood of Jesus. Today there's no reason to wait Jesus is calling Bring your sorrows and drape and for joy
2: From the
1: ashes a new life has born. Jesus is calling Thank you Oh come to
0: Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. This is what we're going to do. We're going to sing this bridge in a moment. It says, oh, what a Savior. We're going to turn our attention to Him because He's the mighty warrior. He's the ultimate mountain climber, layman, lion, tamer, any other rhyming words you can come up with. He's the, he's the one that, that, that fights our fight for us. If we will only stand with Him. And we're going to declare, oh, what a Savior He is. And as you do it, I'm believing that your focus is going to uh, change and you're going to become confident, not in yourself, but in Him. You're going to come up against any challenge that's in your mind, but your confidence is going to be put in Him because He's already won the battle. Amen. We're going to sing this together. Just let the Spirit of God come and break every shackle off your mind, every restriction, every ceiling over your life.
2: Oh, what a Savior. Come on, declare it out. Isn't He wonderful? Sing hallelujah. Come on. Christ is risen Sing that again Oh what a savior Oh what a savior Come on Isn't he wonderful Sing hallelujah Christ is risen Come on bow down bow down before him for he is Lord of all sing hallelujah Christ is is risen risen. come on let's sing oh what a saviour lift your voice oh what a saviour come on isn't he wonderful sing hallelujah christ is risen bow down bow down before Christ is risen. Hallelujah. Amen. It feels good, doesn't it?
0: It must feel like what the early church felt as they stood to start the greatest revolution the world's ever seen with the power of the Holy Spirit, to stand on the the fact that they know that Christ had just been risen. That Christ had just conquered hell and death. That He had just been uh, victorious above every battle they were ever going to face. So go out this week with that same thinking that you are part of the early church. You've just been hanging out with the Jesus that's just come back from the dead who has conquered sin and death, that your mountain and your giant that you are facing is nothing compared to what He has just conquered. Amen? And go out and live victoriously and have a great week and come and tell me your stories so we can celebrate with you this week. I am believing the second half of the year, so many stories are going to come flooding in from people that have faced their giants head on. I already know some of you this morning, and I could go into that right now and tell your story, but we'll save it. We'll wait. I want to hear more and more stories of what God has done in and through you. Amen? Have a great week. Hang out as long as you want. There's tea and coffee out the back. I, I hope um, Michael's still around, around here, I don't think so. Someone might need to run out there first to make sure the kettle's on. But find some sun. Have a great victorious week, and we'll see you
2: next week. Bye-bye.